and ride with me in my foul life. Yeah, man, I want to get into a little bit of the Backwoods Life TV deal and uh, no. um, give me a little bit of the rundown. Backwoods Lives, it's been around for how many seasons now? I love the show. Um, I love the culture of it. Give me an idea of, you know, when you started it and what, what your goal was with it. Man, we, we started in 2004. So um, I think this is year 18, something like that, I guess, if you do the math right. So um, it started as a, an idea Kevin and I, that Kevin does the show with me and produces the show. He, we met at a hunting store in Florida, just a, a chance meeting and we crossed paths and had this idea and it was back in the DVD days, you know, that's just what everybody was doing. And, you know, back when Realtree Mel said, everybody just pounding DVDs out there. It was like, let's just make hunting DVDs about being from the South and down here and see how it goes. And man, next thing you know, we're on, we're on the TV, we're on Sportsman Channel. And, and I remember all those old networks that have come and gone way back before before then and um just never really thought that i would be sitting here right now even with you to have conversations like this that it would do a survive that long really i mean it is crazy if you think about the the lifespan of a tv show um the outdoors i think they say is like two years you know two to three years to where they come and go it's you know transitioning and evolution is inevitable so you got the dvd phase you know then today you don't even see a dvd player anymore to where yeah. it used to be i'd run into my i mean i remember when i got the first duckman vhs tape with warren coco and <laughs> phil robertson on it you know and i got i, I still have a, an unbelievable outdoor um vhs collection and, and then a really widespread collection of dvds and now it's kind of moved into this new format of whether it's youtube or 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 social media or different ways to get your content that way. What is your opinion, Michael Lee on the, the TV part of it? You, you go to somebody and you might be like, I want to partner with this company. And that company goes, well, we just don't know if we really believe in traditional TV anymore. <clears throat> I think that the outdoor channel audience is very authentic. I think they're very engaged. I think they have to pay money to be on that platform, to have that service. Um, Give me your overall ideas of what, of where your, your mind is right now with the way people are getting their content. Well, man, it's definitely evolved. Like you said, and we started in, in DVD VHS format now network format. And then here we are with streaming formats and social media and, you know, on demand kind of, kind of situation. I, I agree with 100% what you said though, like outdoor channel, sportsman channel, pursuit channel, any of those networks for people, you know, have a dedicated channel that they tune into to watch what you and I both do, you know, they're, I guess, a vetted viewer. They're, they're watching because they want to, not because it's just on at, at prime time on, on Fox or whatever, you know, so we've, we've got that isolated audience, but it's evolved so much that I think uh, in, in the roles that you, you and I both play, like as we sit here, we're doing a, doing a Zoom meeting and, and a podcast. So we're, we're having to create new forms of deliverable content in what we love to do to reach all these subjective audiences of different subsets of who we're trying to reach. And so um, I think uh, Outdoor Channel, Sports Channel, the, the old school guys, like, you know, I guess we're, we're kind of old school, but like more like my dad's age and stuff that they like to have that remote in their hand and they flip through the channels until they find what they want to watch. 
you know, those guys are still there. They're a solid, solid audience for what we do. And then we have, uh, you know, the up and coming audience, as you as you will. And that's how we're going to reach the future is on demand, YouTube, social media and so forth. You know, that's what we got to do. Do you think the days of outdoor celebrity per se, let's talk about some guys that I would consider like the rock stars, what we did. There was the shocky, there's Nugent, obviously that's a bona fide rock star, even, you know, way before outdoors. Yeah. I just watched an interview with him last night. He, he texted it to me from 1980 and to hear Ted Nugent talk in 1980 is almost identical to hear Ted Nugent talk in 2022, which is pretty freaking cool for a <laughs> rock star, right? That was like jamming with Freddie Mercury and all of these guys that really don't see eye to eye with what we do. But, um, you know, we both know Michael Waddell. I think Waddell has done an amazing job for this this space. There's, there's. Do you think that this can happen anymore with the way that people are getting their content, with the way that the that like everybody's credible now? I mean, you could have 150 followers or 200 likes on a picture, or whatever, and think that hey, man, I'm credible. I'm getting tips and tactics out there this week. I'm going to show people why you run a boat this way or blow a duck call this way or pull your bow back. That's fine. I get it. But do you think the days of that notoriety and that success in this space are over? Or do you think somebody will come along like, let's say, uh, I'm trying to think, I don't watch a lot of reality TV, but there's a lot of fame in reality TV that's not necessarily geared towards the outdoors to where people have these YouTube channels on how to put makeup on and they have millions of followers or something. Is that going to happen in this space again, you think? Man, I think the potential's there, but I, I was t- I was talking to somebody about kind of these this this dynamic the other day, and I and you and if you literally sit down and watch Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, you go through all the shows that are the the true you know thirty minute block shows that are on now, and look at like when like when we first started, we started honestly the same year Road Trip started. We we aired our first episode too, which was on different different levels, local channels, but. Um, you know, we had a dynamic then where everybody wanted to have a TV show and be on TV. And, you know, if you talk to the networks, according to who you asked, they had waiting lists for shows to be on the networks and stuff like that. And now we're in a different time where I don't see anybody coming to fill our shoes. You see what I'm saying? Like, like I don't see anybody waiting to say, hey, Chad, when, when you guys are done, you know, you're at that age where you're like, hey, I'm going to scale back on this. I mean, unless it's like a kid that you have or family member or whatever to hand it off to, there, there's nobody to fill our shoes. Everybody's gone the Instagram, social media, YouTube, whatever route to try to be what, what you were just referencing. And, you know, they have 5,000 followers and all of a sudden they're an expert. Now, I'm not knocking any of it. If you've got a platform to reach people in a positive way to grow what we do, I'm all for it. But to answer your question, that level, you know, you think about, you take Waddell, who's probably the most known person in our industry. And and, and you, you and I and Waddell, we go walk through Walmart. Maybe somebody recognizes maybe not probably not but maybe in the hunting section you may see somebody like hey man i think i know that guy you know we, we all get it we travel enough we're out places people say hey man i saw you on tv you know that and that's cool but like and you know i'm, I'm buddies with, with brantley gilbert and but i've been to walmart with brantley don't go to walmart with brantley it's it's the it's crazy and so when what we do i don't think we'll ever have the level of notoriety that people like that will you know to, to make and, and maybe to, I don't know with, with like YouTube followers that have millions of followers I don't you know people may recognize them at Walmart I, I don't really know but 
you know, it's, it's just a, it, we can be at the top of our game, the, the most known person in the outdoor industry, and we're still not going to be, you know, country music star status, you know? Yeah. No, it makes totally sense. I, I, I had Waddell on the show today. I just got off with him and we talked about, you know, the, the celebrities that, that look to the outdoors to bring them back and to get them grounded again and how therapeutic it is for them. And that, that mm -hmm. that's always who they're going to be. And no matter how many people recognize them, when you get in the woods with them, they're just, they're just Brantley Gilbert. You know, they'll mother nature will humble your ass in a heartbeat. And, <laughs> and, 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 and that's why I think that when you're in the woods with somebody like you and I have been, and like M Michael gets to do, nobody's a celebrity when you're at duck camp, you know, everybody's just like, man, I don't know how to blow a duck call like that. Or man, you really shoot that bow really well. I'd like to learn how to do that. And I look at them and be like, well, I'd like to sell out Fenway Park someday, you know? So the, the mutuality of the relationships that the outdoor creates and how it brings us all to that same level is so neat to me. But getting back to what we were just touching on, it's like, you know, to hear it put that way that nobody's standing in line to do the George Jones song, you know, who's going to fill their shoes that, that Michael Lee just did an analogy with. I like that. Um, I don't know if, if people really understand today because you can take an app, take a selfie video, put it up on this app and get people to say, oh yeah, that's a cool video. That's, you know, I'm following this guy on Instagram to do the rigmarole of TV of what it took to build a TV show and to build a TV brand. I don't know if that's really being done in the outdoor space or if anybody really has the idea that you can even do it because everybody coming up now is like, I can just do it here. I can just do it on YouTube. I could just do it on Instagram or, or TikTok or whatever these things are, these platforms that everybody's on. I look at it like, do they really understand what it takes to build that TV show and to build it into a brand that evolves and keeps going to where when I look at the foul life, we're getting ready to, we're getting ready to air next month. We're getting ready to air season 14 and start filming in September season 15 of a show to where back in 2008, when I went to Saskatchewan, Canada, Michael Lee and, and met with Grant Kuypers at Buck Paradise I said, Hey, I'm, I'm trying this, you know, Fred Zink has been my mentor and Tim grounds. And I got to go on the road with Avery and all of these companies. And I'm trying my own thing. Now I would have bet, everything I ever had in my life that it would have lasted a year, maybe two. When I saw how hard it was, how difficult it was, how stressful I was, I'm like, oh my God, it took me this much money to get up here, this many days. I haven't seen a goose work my decoy spread in three days. It's rained every day, so my cameras are taking a chance to get ruined. Like there's a lot that went into it to, to last through all of that, and you did the same thing. And I don't know if holding a phone and filming yourself and putting it up on these platforms is the same as that. I don't know if people are going to be willing to try to fill our shoes is my point, Michael. Well, you're spot on. Like it, it, the, the, the amount of work and dedication and sacrifice and wondering if you're going to be able to pay the bills next month. Wonder if you're ever going to make a dollar doing this to actually turn this into a business is things that you, you, you when they got this, they don't have those obstacles. There's no barrier to entry. You know, all you have to do to have an Instagram account is sign up and have a freaking phone and start videoing. And there's a gajillion apps now you can edit with and do all kind of cool stuff. And, and, I, and I think that's great for, for people pushing their creative envelope. But when it comes back to what we're doing, just like you said, to have the credibility, you've got to pay your dues and spend time in that trench. That's that's the only way I've, I've ever seen anybody that I respect in this industry has, I mean, walk the walk and talks the talk and, and they've got the stories to back it up. They've been there, done that. And, you know, not knocking what anybody's doing. I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but you cannot walk in your shoes and my shoes 
through a cell phone. It's, it's not possible. When, when you start talking like that, tell me your opinion. You mentioned Brantley Gilbert. Brantley has been a songwriter forever. Brantley was putting out songs. I remember when he did Colt Ford before Jason Aldean took Brantley's song and did what he did with, what's that song called? Remind me, I'm sorry. The Dirt Road Anthem? Yeah, Dirt Road Anthem. So, um, chilling in, yeah, I'll do that song. With, and I love Brantley's version. Do you think that guys like Brantley or or um, AJ, Randy Travis, God bless Randy Travis, and I hope he gets healthy again someday, but do you think that they look at the people that are winning these talent shows or getting a record deal off a of Tic Tac because they have the ability to go out? I think it's cool that there's singers out there that were never noticed. They, were ne- they wouldn't be noticed if it wasn't for Tic Tac, but is there something to be said of having the cojones to move to Nashville and to be told yes or no through the Broadway scene and the honky tonk scene to go out and try to start a small tour and get a little toe behind trailer, maybe wrap it with your face on. This, this is what these people did. They were, they were busboying at the Nashville palace or Opryland when Alan Jackson got discovered, they were paying their dues. And I don't know if people are paying their dues anymore, even to get the music out there, but these record labels and executives are capitalizing on this fascination of this young crowd being engaged on these social media platforms. It's a weird phenomenon to me that this guy is bigger than Mark Chestnut now when Mark Chestnut is one of the finest country singers of all time or Tracy Bird, but you don't even hear about these cats anymore. It's crazy to me. I agree, man. I think what what the the social aspect, and I think YouTube did a lot of that for a lot of people. You know, I mean, I, I forgot how many you know huge singing stars are, and like like Adele is one. Uh, I mean, I've heard a few of her songs or whatever, but she's one I know I read about that was huge on YouTube. So that propels them into an audience through not having to go, like you say pay your dues, working at bars, playing every corner shop in Nashville that you can get in at. And, and the same thing in our industry, you can take somebody and, and, they, and, and I'm not, again, I, I don't want to discourage. I'm not knocking anybody. Everybody's got their own path and their own journey that they have to go down just like we all did. But if you've got a kid out there, he, he's 15 years old and he's hungry and he goes out on grandpa's 20 acres. And I mean, you know, he's doing videos of him putting deer stands up and scouting and, and practicing with his bow and shooting his shotgun and doing things and, and earning it. I mean, I don't, you know, I think that's valid. You know, I think that you're honing that skill set and you're earning that credibility, but the shortcuts that are out there just because you're whatever, I don't want to get too sidetracked on the details, but I mean, you got a, a social following and you've got a hundred thousand followers on Instagram and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're important. Like a number doesn't make you important. The value you bring forward is what makes you important and people getting something out of what you're doing. Does that that make sense? (laughs) It it totally makes sense to me. And I want to ask you this, and I don't even know if you can speak on this being in the position you are with the industry, but I, I've watched very close in the last seven, eight months, 10 months of females in our space. And I've seen ones that are unbelievably legitimate not get treated the same because they're not in the bikini. They're not in this makeup. Uh, I don't know if I would ever like to get up in the morning at deer camp and see a girl putting on makeup to go out and shoot a deer. Like it makes no sense to me, but like, and, and I, and I'm not taking anything away from the female population. I don't want anybody to take it that way, but in, in the word credibility comes to mind, 
I want a girl that doesn't just have a belly showing with a holster hanging out saying, use this discount code because I'm hot. I want a girl that can take that pistol out of there and light up a target and show me how to use it and put it back in there once the clips, you know, once the magazine, I shouldn't say clip, once the magazine's emptied and taken out and everything's safe. I want to see some credibility in this space instead of just wool being pulled over eyes. But then when a girl comes along that actually is legit, and grew up on daddy's farm, learning how to run a tractor, grow a garden, milk a cow, shoot a bow, shoot a twenty-two, shoot a handgun, shoot a deer, skin a deer, cook a backstrap. They come along and they, they're looked at like, well, what do we need you for kind of deal? And I'm like, what? That's totally ass backwards of what the world is supposed to be. Why are we trying to get in these shortcuts and just sell something when if you went to that person selling it and said, well, can you use it? Can you really use that? I, and I'm sure it's been being done for years. Beer commercials, beer models, supermodels, Cindy Crawford drinking Pepsi, you know. Well, you know, like we buy Pepsi because Cindy Crawford, I get celebrity endorsement. Please don't get me wrong. But I'm, I'm, I'm confused on how somebody that doesn't have legitimacy doesn't have a place in the world because they refuse to go that other way of showboating or being just a hot girl or a hot guy with abs. Do you really have the ability to move the needle based on your ability to shoot a gun, skin a deer, and teach somebody how to do that and get the next generation of blood coming into this space? That's that's kind of long-winded, and I'm on a rant, but that kind of sh- that that really irks me a little bit, Michael Lee. No, I, I think you're spot on, man, and. And like you said, a celebrity endorsement is different than what we're talking about. Like you said, a celebrity endorsement is, you know, like you, you, uh, like you, we talked about Zach Brown earlier, like having Zach Brown, you know, hold, hold this up and drink that. Yeah. That, that Zach earned his way to do that through a different industry, right? Now he's a notarized figure to, to use those products. But like you, what you're talking about is spot on as far as who, who is this person? I don't know anything about them. I don't know where they grew up. I don't know who, where they're from. And and they've got half a million followers on, on whatever. And all of a sudden they're telling me how I need, what products I need to use when I watch their social and you've got 90% of the posts are selfies. And hey, look, no problem. If you want to take selfies, go for it. 10% of your posts are actually outdoors doing something. And a 1% of your posts are with, oh, I, I shot a duck, I shot a deer, I shot a turkey. You know, you, you, you do all this social stuff to put to like you're a brand ambassador, as most of them are. And discount code here, discount code there, follow me for this, follow me for that. And you shoot one deer a year, one turkey a year. How can anybody trust you to say, okay, what turkey call do I need to buy? What duck call do I need to buy? What bow do I need to buy? They, they can't. There's no credibility there, like you say. And... I mean, I'm all for people having following it. Like a good example, and I'm friends with, with Jeff and Hannah Barron. I'm sure you, you know the Barons. Good people. I mean, Jeff's like one of the coolest guys, funniest guys to be around. And he re- re- raised Hannah right he, as far as learning how to grab catfish and deer hunt and turkey hunt and, and work. And, and you know, good for them. She's got a huge following. If you're on social media, you don't know who she is, then you, yeah, I'm sorry. You, sh- you should. But and that that's one of those, in my opinion, is is the best of both worlds. Hannah built a big audience from grabbing a catfish, and yes, she's wearing cut-off shorts and a bikini top a lot of times. And I'm sure there's, if she's got two million followers, probably 1.9 million of them are teenage boys, <laughs> you know, that, that that like to look at all that and whatever. And that's fine. But honestly, she's a valid person. She knows how to hunt. She knows how to fish. 
But like you said, there's all these other women out there. Um, I'm good friends with Bonnie and Mike McFerrin from Legends of the Fall. Bonnie is a great hunter. Like she, she hunts with her kids and hunts with Mike. And, you know, Bonnie's not out there posting bikini pictures and all this kind of stuff. She, she enjoys what she enjoys, but she's, she's a good hunter too. She knows how to shoot a bow. She's killed giant deer with a bow. She killed a 201 or whatever last year in Texas with a bow, free range deer. That's the kind of people that I think female wild need to be getting the credit. You know, Tiffany's the same way. I mean, yeah, she, she didn't start hunting until her and Lee Lukoski, uh, started dating and everything and they started their their path down the same thing that we all we're all doing but she, you know she earned her stripes she got out there and she she shot some big deer with a bow and that's my thing is you get out there and you earn it and you don't just take a thousand selfies a year and call yourself an expert you, I, I agree 100%. And I think, you know, Hannah's a stud. You know, Hannah was raised the right way. They have a great platform. But again, let me ask you this, just knocking it, at, you know, figuring out where do you, as a marketing department, right? Let's say you're the CMO or you're the VP of marketing, director, whatever. Do you just base it off of the numbers or there's there's this thing called moving the needle and you can move the needle in a couple different ways in this space. But if you make the comment that one point, or let's say she's got a million followers and 900,000 of them are just like bikini shots. Are those 900,000 people going to go out and buy the, the gun and the clothes and the shoes and the boots and the boats and the rods and all the stuff that somebody like that's using because Hannah does know how to hunt. Hannah does know how to hand grab. She's crazy for what she does. It's freaking ridiculous that that little girl goes down there and pulls up a 70-pound cat. It's amazing. She's an amazing human being. But does it hurt her to do it in a way that brings all these people in that may not go out and buy any of the product that she's pushing because they're just interested in her as this, this beautiful woman? And I don't want to take anything away from her because I love her and her dad. They're great people. But does it hurt them to fall into that? And why doesn't she just wear a long baggy t-shirt when she does it? No matter how good of shape she's in. Those are the questions that run through my mind. Is like, are you going to be able to sell product to that audience that may be watching it for those reasons only? That's, that's a valid question in my opinion. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think there, there's two ways you can look at a, a business dynamic, if you will, from, from a social media standpoint. If you've got that kind of following like, like the Barons do, and you want to run this like it's a business, not just look at me on social media. If you want to run it like a business, then you have to figure out how to make those conversions happen because I, you know, I do sit in the marketing role. So if, if I'm going to take a chance and say, Hey, you know what? I, I want you to represent my product. Here, here's how we're going to formulate our social media marketing plan with you as a focus to pr promote these products and show how they're used, whatever the case may be. You've got to make those conversions or you're not going to have a business because like you said, I, I haven't, I personally, in a marketing role, I haven't worked with anybody on, on that level. Now, I've worked with, like, Chad Mendez is a great example. I know you know Chad real well. Chad is is one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. He loves to beat people up, which is awesome. But Chad does move the needle for us from a marketing standpoint because he is truly a hunter, though. You know, he he's he's got a big following from his MMA and, and fighting world and wrestling and everything, which is great. 
but he's he's a, been able to capitalize that audience and cross it over into the hunting world phenomenally. And I think if anybody out there like Hannah, for example, that has a big following, if they would pay attention to people like Chad out there, they would learn how to turn their social media into a thriving business. Chad's a great example for what for what we're talking about. Yeah, Mendez is amazing, and he does a great job of being unapologetic about the lifestyle, but he also does a great job of backing people into it as far as, hey, don't think about the keel right now. We're going to transition into something now, Michael. Lee. Don't think about the keel. Don't think about this animal died because all animals die. If we really want to get into it, that elk or that sheep or that tuna just lived its best life and died ethically the best life living in God's country, living in the wild. They didn't take on disease. They didn't get ran down by a pack of wolves. They didn't get caught in a snowstorm or in a fence and die suffering. They didn't get a cougar that jumped out of a tree and wrapped its jaws around that mule deer's throat and broke its neck and twisted it around. It died from one bullet passing through the lungs or the heart and bam, it's being fed on a table to feed all these wonderful people. Now that's pretty awesome. Chad does that. He backs him in because I think in today's world, if we do a great job of being an ambassador and these young people coming up with these followings, there's different maturity levels in this game. Got to have the pile pit. Got to have the, the grip it and grin it pick. I think you call it in deer hunting. You got to have, got to kill the big bucks. You got to be the best. You got to win the world. You got to catch the most crop. You got to do all this. Well, when it's all said and done, nobody's going to remember any of that. It's going to be, what did you do to show compassion for those animals, respect for the resource, get new blood into this lifeline, promote this lifestyle that we are, according to Ted Nugent, we do have a right to hunt. We're not just privileged to hunt. We do have a right. Nobody's going to take us that right from us. But we don't have to showboat it all the time of just a tongue hanging out of a mouth and blood and and, and just all these all this death all the time. I'm very unapologetic about killing animals, but can we, Michael Lee, do a better job like Chad Mendez does of saying, look, look at this backstrap. Look at these duck breasts. Look at this sturgeon. Look at this meat that I am feeding. Look at my Traeger's full. Look how happy I am. Look at how healthy I am. Look at how happy and healthy my family is. Look at this campfire. Look at this socializing going on. You know, Coleman a long time ago had that marketing platform that the campfire was the original social network. That's unbelievable. That's genius, right? And it was. It's still my favorite social network when you hear it cracking and popping and the guitar being played and the cold beer being opened. Mm -hmm. So, Again, Michael Lee, I want your opinion. Is like, we can do this. We can have Hannah Barron go on there and go, hey, this catfish lived a great life. And check out how we're cooking it tonight. Check out these nuggets. Check out this blackened steak. Look at this filet. Whatever it is, that's what Mendez has done such a great job at, of backing people in, of getting interested, especially during the pandemic of like, oh, wow, I can go kill a wild turkey and turn it into that. There's no meat at the store. Show me how this is done. You know what I mean? I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think us as, you know, um, educators, because that's really the role we are. We're educating people, whether it's about products, where it's about hunts, where it's about where to hunt in different states, different locations, different animals. As an educational process, that's what we should thrive even more on is doing, hey, now that we've killed, you know, a limit of ducks today, I killed a big white tail. We got an elk. We got our, our, our turkey. What do we do with it next? That, that, and I'm not saying showing, I mean, the guts and the blood are part of what we do. That, there's no way around that if you truly 
do it, you know, the right way and you process your meat and, and go, go from that, that, that angle. But you're right. Chad does a spot on point and that's what we all should get better at doing it. And you guys do a great job too of showing, Hey, we killed this. This is, this is going on the grill. It's going on the smoker. It's going in the frying pan, whatever the case is to show the people that may not agree with what we do, but help them understand why we do what, the, what we do, because you and I both know, man. And, and, and I, I know personally from uh, I'm, I'm 44. So growing up in, in the last, I don't know where it turned in the last several years, I'll say five to six, seven years, the way chicken that I used to eat chicken all the time from the store, it tastes horrible to me now. It's like the, the meat has changed. They, they've steroided these things up. They, they, they're making them grow so fast. The meat's very striated. It's almost rubbery. It's like you got little rubber bands going through, through all this chicken now. And I almost to the point where I don't want to eat that. I want to eat wild turkey. I, I would rather put a wild turkey breast on my smoker and cook that for a couple hours and eat that for two or three days than cook five store-bought chickens. It's going to taste like rubber when I'm done. So all that being said, the people that keep up with us and and can see what we do and, and if we can continue to make a better way of showing people what we do, they'll understand that stuff. And I'm not trying to hurt farmers over here, chicken farmers, cattle farmers, not because I love a steak as much as anybody. But going from that kind of environment to where, just like you said, that tuna, that turkey, that deer, they were living their best life. You know, they didn't get taken out by a car, a truck, a cougar, a, a whatever, we we turned them into what we got here, which is phenomenal. Yeah, and I think um, I think that, that that lifestyle is the, I say it all the time, whether it's TV or podcasts, whatever I'm doing, seminars, whatever, it's the coolest lifestyle, it's the coolest way to live. You can't tell me that honing your skill set and going out and being able to ethically harvest an animal and then butcher it, then process it, then cook it, then serve it and have people go, what is this? Well, that's wild duck. What? That ain't duck. That's not supposed to taste like duck's the most hated meat there is. And then all of wild game, nobody knows how to cook it. Right. That's everybody's like, Oh, it's like liver. And I'm like, no, it's not when you do it right. And I think that's a great way to bring people into that. I've gotten a lot of interest from people of that, might not necessarily ever pull the trigger, but they're not going to say no to eating wild game. I've gotten a lot of interest from people like, well, how did you get to kill this turkey? Can you show me? And then they become hunters. We've had a huge influx in this. So um, you guys are, and girls, you're listening to the great Michael Lee, Lethal Products, Backwoods Life TV. Today's episode of the Fat Life Podcast is brought to you by Lethal. Lethal, we've been using their products now. My friend Leith Lofton, whose nickname is Lethal, he's been wearing a Lethal hat for years, singing 50 Years Too Late and What You Gonna Do When The Money's All Gone, which obviously is the theme song of our podcast here and been all over our TV shows for a decade now. Leith's been wearing the Lethal hat. We've been using the Cooler Revival, the gun cleaning kits, the pads, all of the ointments. We've been using the tick repellent when I was in the woods of Tennessee and Georgia and Mississippi and Alabama this year and Missouri and Nebraska use the tick repellent everywhere we went. Michael Lee, thank you for being on the podcast. Tell me a little bit about the origins of lethal and give the, our, our, our viewers on YouTube and our listeners on all of our podcast listening apps, um, a little background of what the lethal brand is, where you've already stated that you're in Georgia, but give me the culture of lethal, what role you're playing there and uh, what the future holds for the lethal brand. Matt, Lethal was actually developed by uh, its uh, parent company is, is Clean Control Corporation, and, and Clean Control makes Otoban. And I, I'll promise you, anybody that listens to this that's, that's gone through this pandemic, you know, the last few years, 
really everybody got into sanitizing and cleaning and that's where Odaban uh, just takes off and, and dominates its its market uh, with, with household cleaning and stuff. And so Steve Davison, the owner of Lethal, actually uh, crossed paths with Ryan Klesko. A lot of you guys out uh, know Ryan from baseball days with the, the Braves and the Giants and so forth. And Ryan's a big hunter, um, done a lot for this industry. But Ryan and Steve crossed paths and Ryan basically said, hey, Steve, why don't you make an unscented version of Odaban because it kills human odors? uh for hunting and so steve's wheels got turning and we came out they came out with odoban outdoor and then it evolved into the lethal name um which i think is one of the best marketable names in the hunting industry uh, overall but so lethal started out as basically a scent elimination system so you know for your field sprays and your shampoo your body wash your wipes your deodorant all that process was kind of in the odoban clean control wheelhouse for lethal to to be developed and then um I, i've been over there in that camp for about six years now uh, officially in the in the office so to speak and we've kind of de- just wanted to build off of that line. So now we came out with the Cooler Reviver, like you talked about. That's one of the most uh, useful products, I believe, that, that is made under the umbrella. It can it can clean anything. It can clean refrigerators. It can clean your live wells in your boat. I mean, it's economic. I mean, uh, e, uh, what you call it? <laughs> Ecologically safe. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get. Yeah. So basically, you can you can spray it in your live well. You can rinse it out. It can. It's a safe downstream product. Uh, we've got a full house staff full of chemists that make all these products to be green. And, and a lot of them are green certified by the EPA. I mean, they're just a solid company. They're always developing stuff. We've got their gun oil out there. Uh, it's probably got one of the best spray nozzles out there for, for hitting those spots on, on every little piece of your gun. We've got our tough towels that come in that kit. And we've just developed that line out more and more. Um, we've got a backseat gun holder and backseat uh bow holders and just like we're always just trying to figure out what's the next useful product that we can come out with for for everybody to maximize while they're out there hunting yeah i think that the name is so marketable it's i remember leith wearing it on stage all the time lethal it just made perfect sense um we're honored to be part of it and i think that that what i really um love about the brand and, and really i guess realize is the word to use is how detailed they are on what they're trying to do you know like they're focused on this certain product and it's not just this wide array of products that are out there just to have the lethal name on it if you break down their product line each of them like all everything down to that nozzle on the spray can for gun cleaning the cooler reviver is like how many people don't want their coolers perfect to where you know you you open it up after a long weekend or something and everybody's been through that with the cooler and now we're in tennessee two weeks ago at an unbelievable turkey camp using the cooler reviver and every single time we put the cooler back in our truck now we take it out it's perfect it doesn't have to go through that whole rigmarole of let's use it for two weeks get it home put the soap and hot water and all that this will make your two-week three-week hunting trip that much easier and, and it's all about preparation and it's all about pride in my opinion if you look at your arsenal as a hunter if you let the hatch down of your trailer or you open up your uh, open up all of your your tackle boxes if you open up your leer topper on your truck and look at what's inside of there if you open up your gun safes hunters are fanatic 
fanatics about organization. We're gear nuts. We want to be ready for any given thing. Duck hunters, we have so many different applications with different decoy spreads, different blinds, different concealment. Same with deer hunters. Are we going to go out and shoot out of a ground blind, a tree stand? What are we going to be in? There's all these different mindsets. And when you look at a brand like Lethal, it puts me in that mindset of like, I have this entire compartmentalized array of products of like, when I'm ready for this, I take it. When I'm ready for this, I take it. And as hunters, I want to stress how awesome of a feeling it is to take pride in that. When you take it off the shelves and you use it, you're making yourself better, consistently successful for that hunt coming up. And then when you're putting it away, I look at it up on the shelf and I'm like, Wow, man, what a freaking incredible life to have this support of these type of product engineers and developers that Lethal has to make our this amazing life of being a hunter that much better. I truly mean that. Like I look at the gear that we use with the companies and partners that we are in, in you know, tied in with and affiliated with, and I'm like, thank God for companies that support this culture. It's not about being the foul life is brought to you by Michael Lee and lethal. No, I'm not saying that for you guys to go. You're just using that product because you get paid to use it. Think about it on the other end of the spectrum. These companies love this space. If it wasn't for these brands and these companies, we as hunters would not be able to be successful. Now you're going to say, well, my granddad was successful back in the day. Times have changed. The world has changed. Animals have changed. Processes have changed. I'm telling you that if it's not for companies like Lethal being so direct with their focus of what they're putting out there for us to use, we wouldn't be successful as we are in the field. And that's why I love companies like Lethal and partnering with you. So thank you very much, my man. We appreciate it, man. And, and you know, when you and I first started, started our dialogue together, my first thing was, I want to send you some product. I want you to make sure you believe in those things, like make sure that they work for you. And, and then we can go forward with our relationship. And that's, that's how I approach everything on, on backwards life side and lethal side is I want everybody to be on the same page, everybody working for the same cause. Because I do believe in what you're saying is like with lethal is a great example because we've dialed in just a cooler revolver. Yeah, it's a multi-purpose use product, but we said, you know what? There's a need right here that people may not even know they have until they open that cooler up a week after getting back. Because when you get back from your from, from a good you know morning duck hunt, you're not gonna just throw your gun in the back of your truck and leave it in the back of the truck until, you know, for a week. That's what everybody does with a $500, $600 cooler, right? You know, and they're not even looking to see what's in it to see if it needs to be cleaned, cleaned out. And so when you open that thing up again, you, you've almost ruined that cooler. So we said, okay, for those people that do make those bad decisions, we're going to have something for you to help that cause out. And that's just a thing with it. We found a need. We found something that wasn't out there and we made that product. And the gun oil, I mean, we commented on that nozzle, but that nozzle is so integral in getting that fine little bit of spray into those hard to reach spots on those guns and those small parts to just give your your, your firearm that life. It, it may have been taken out of it when you dropped it in the duck pond that morning, you know, so <laughs> things like that. Yeah, and it's just, it's incredible to be able to have that at your fingertips. And that's why I like to tell people, I'm proud to say who we're partnered with, because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't get to enjoy this lifestyle. And then, you know, going back and bringing this conversation full circle is, I hope you get to go do the things that Michael Lee and myself and Michael Waddell have got to do. I want to support people that 
that want to go out and do it. If you want to go to Nebraska and hunt a turkey on the Platte River because you saw it on Backwoods Life, then go do it, please. But don't write an email of saying, you guys only get to hunt the best places. No wonder you kill all those turkeys. No, don't look at it that way. Get up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm going to go do that. And if you go do that and you love it, and you say, I want to film the next time I do it. Because that's what Jim Shockey did. Jim Shockey just said, I'm going to try to film this over my shoulder. And I don't want any cutaways. I don't want any B-roll. I'm just going to do it over my shoulder. Jim Shockey turned a Saskatchewan little farming kid into a freaking Jim Shockey. Okay? There's a different story for everybody. If you really take the time to say, I want to do that. Oh, wait. I didn't just film my hunt now. Now I have the ability to go to Mitch Petrie or somebody at the Outdoor Sportsman's Group and say, hey, would you be interested in a show? Come up, come with something different. Let's let's figure this out, how to, to make this better and work together and stop the infighting, stop the ego, stop the jealousy, stop the envy. Because at the end of the day, when you go six feet in the ground and you're in that wood box or your ashes in an urn, nobody gives you a flying rats you know what, that you got five 180s or 200s on the wall or that you saw thousands of mallards do it. We're only as good as the legacy we leave behind on, do we do it right? Do we do it ethically? Did we promote this lifestyle the right way? I'm not the best duck hunter in the world. I am probably in the top 2.1 million because that's how many there are. And there's kids in Arkansas that would mop me up with a duck call every day of the week. So to claim that I kill ducks because I'm the best is crazy. It's so crazy to me. So I think that that's what I love about products and brands like Lethal that they promote the right lifestyle and the right way to do it of friends, campfires, camaraderie, respect, compassion. I never will utter the words, Michael Lee, F a coyote. You'll never hear that out of my mouth. You know why? Because I know what a coyote is and I know what it means to the ecosystem. Do I believe in managing them? Yes, I do. Do I hate when I see a sheep tore up on a farmer's land or a rancher's land? Yes, I do. But coyotes have been here a lot longer than we have. And I have a lot of pride and, and compassion for the coyote because they are a great hunter. They have to eat two to three pounds of raw meat a day to survive. They got to be great hunters. So I don't want to say F a coyote. I want to promote predator management in the right light to show people like, hey, I respect a coyote. And here's why. I'm not going to eat a coyote, Stephen Rennell. I think that's pretty crazy. <laughs> but I do feel that a coyote deserves the utmost respect. And I think that if we message it that way and show that you can evolve this lifestyle into something that is so special of pairing a deer backstrap to garden-grown vegetables in your backyard and drinking a beer that you pair with it that your buddy brewed down the street, it is the coolest freaking thing in the world. And that's what Lethal stands for. And that's why I'm proud to be part of it and, and partnered up with you. Man, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, companies like us, and, and there's there's a lot out there that have we all share the same values. Like you said, it's about spending time in the outdoors with people you care about, enjoy being around, having those memories. Because, I mean, you've been doing this almost as long as I have. So it, it feels weird to go hunting without somebody with you, without, you know, either somebody videoing or just somebody with you in general. Uh, I don't know if I could even go. I don't, I don't even turkey hunt much by myself anymore. I enjoy going with people so much um, from the video aspect, number one. Um, but number two, just I'm almost like if I go and I just see it myself and I do it all myself, then I, like, did it really happen? Like nobody got to experience that with me. So that that's where I'm at in my life. I mean, I've been blessed. I've got walls full of giant bucks and turkeys everywhere and, and all this good stuff. And but I'm glad I've got all those memories and I've been in so many hunting camps with so many great people, made amazing friends through that 
that I can share all this stuff with somebody and with other people to pass on. Yeah. You got to be able to pass it on. And I love listening to Stan talk a bunch, you know, that he has killed some two hunters with his bow. I think quite a few, but to hear him talk about what it means to be around his grandkids is what I really key in on. And I think that, that if you, if you really key in on what this lifestyle means to guys like you and me or pots or whoever it is, Wadi, it's so much more than that trigger pull or sending that arrow down. It's like the journey is so neat. The anticipation is so cool. And there are different levels of it. And now that I'm in my forties, I look at it like, man, I don't want to be in hunting camp without my friends ever again. I want it to be, I hope that I can take care of my body well enough with this life can't kick your butt on the road, whether it's loneliness or darkness or diet or nutrition or too much partying or every time you turn around, there's an opportunity there. I hope I'm hunting when I'm 82, 83, 85 years old. I pray that I have my grandkids out there with me and that I'm being able to be a good steward of the land and, and an ambassador of this unbelievable lifestyle. And I think that for the haters, the antis out there that look at it of, you need to be outlawed. You can't kill animals anymore. I hope someday that you understand the science of it, the biological part of it, and that you vote and that you make your decisions and your comments through scientific data and not just your heart and your emotion. Because I very easily could say, I hate everybody in the world that doesn't agree with hunting, but I try to slow down and pump the brakes and say, okay, well, wait a minute. Maybe they haven't been introduced to it the right way. Maybe we haven't done the best job of messaging in the past of why it's the best lifestyle out there. There's other ways to do it. And the science speaks for itself. And I think that, you know, your brand, your TV show, you guys do a great job with that. It's good that guys like us can team up and work together when we're going after that end goal or trying to create revenue or trying to win this race. We can slow down once in a while and enjoy a cold beer around a campfire and talk about it like we're doing today of what's going to make it better for when we are gone or 30 years from now when we have when the cameras aren't on us anymore and i think that's very important i think that that's got to be the goal of all of us yeah i mean at the end of the day we're only worth what we're leaving behind just like you said earlier um we, we've got to leave the right message we've got to grow this thing we've got to use whatever mediums that we can whether that is an iPhone or, or whatever to reach more and more people so that this thing isn't gone when we're gone. That's really what it boils down to. And I don't, I don't want to derail anything, but I do see like the, one of the worst things that's happening right now on, especially on social media is hunter versus hunter. And that, and like, I mean, I, I'm sure you, you see it in the duck hunting world as much as I do in the deer and turkey world about, you know, equipment or your different styles of hunting and stuff like that. And, and I know there's been a lot going on lately in, in turkey season. Um, I've been trying to lay low on that one to not, to, to not uh, be in, in the crosshairs like the, some Waddell and uh, small town guys and the juries have kind of caught a lot of flack lately. Um I don't agree with that at all. I think that the people that are out there that are trying to divide us really are not hunters and sportsmen at all. They're, they're, they're just Greed. evil out there is what Greed. it is. Yeah. Greed and evil. Yeah. It's just, it's not good for us. It's not, I mean, just like you said, I hope we all succeed. That That's really where we're at. I don't, you and I may be, we may do the exact same thing in business, but if we work together, we're going to accomplish a lot more than we are trying to 
one up each other. That's why my, my, my philosophy has always been in this. I'll, I'll help everybody along the way and I expect nothing in return. And that's, that's to me, I can lay my head down at night and know that I'm doing the right things and, and I'll be blessed for blessing other people. That's, that's the firmly what I believe in this industry. That is what the hunter's way should be. That's mm -hmm. what a hunter is all about. That's period is don't expect anything in return. Eat the food that I just killed. I'm glad that I was able to hone my skill set to be able to provide this bounty and to show people like, Hey, we can do this together. If we keep tearing each other down because you can't hunt on Sundays or you need to use a traditional bow or quit hunting behind that fan or quit doing this and quit. I mean, I don't like shooting turkeys with a bow. I don't like seeing it be done. That's just me, but I'm not going to get on the foul life and go, it should be illegal to hunt turkeys with a bow. I'm not going to say that, but I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's okay. If it's ethical, it's legal and you're good at it. And you've honed your skill set to be consistently on that Turkey and not trying to, you know, crippling them all the time, then do it. But I feel that a Turkey was made to be shot with a 12 gauge, maybe a 20 gauge of TSS, but in the face at 15 to 30 yards, I don't want to kill a Turkey at 70 yards. I'm sorry, Michael Lee. Like I look at it. Like I want to finish that, that sucker, that Joker is a Southerner would say, I love when Southerners say Joker. I want to finish <laughs> that Joker in the decoys. Yeah. And, and that's just my way of hunting. I want to be intimate. I want to communicate. I want to learn their vocabulary and their jargon. And I want to do things the right way. But if you like killing them with a 410 at 40 yards, because TSS allows you to do that and he's not finishing, if you like doing it this way or reaping or whatever they're saying, I am not going to be the guy that tears us apart because my way might not be suitable for you or your way might not be suitable for me. There's a lot. If you listen to the podcast I just did with Wadi, there's a lot of that going on and he is taking some of it. And, and I think that it's people that aren't really part of who we are. They're yeah. not really in this deal. I don't even know if they really drink the same water we do, man. And I don't know if they ever have. And it's sad to see. I see it a lot out here in the West, a lot. And I'm just like, man, I've killed a lot of mule deer and I wore blue jeans and I wore Danners and I followed my dad into the mountains and I had a Tasco on a 270 and it was fine. We did it. We were fine. I'm not going to get down on somebody that does it that same way this year and doesn't do it the exact same way you think it needs to be done. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's crazy to hear all of this going on when all we're trying to do is put food on the table. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we're all out there for the same reasons. We're trying to fill our tags, trying to put some meat in the freezer. And uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't understand it. Like I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not a, I, I have tried to kill turkeys with a bow. Maybe I'm just not good at it, but I just got to a point after a few times trying to do it with a bow. I was like, I agree with you, man. I believe that uh, I like to see them come in and put that bead on the bottom of that neck and put a load right there and, and, and watch them flop and take them to the house. I mean, that, that happens, you know, way more than, than with a bow and I'm not knocking it, but when I, I just, I, I had somebody, this has been years ago in the industry that told me I was not a turkey hunter. I, I basically, I was a piece of crap turkey hunter. If I couldn't shoot a turkey with a bow, I said, well, you come walk a mile down here in South Georgia on my dirt and see if you can kill one with a bow. I'm not saying you can't do it, but you just got to prove to me that you can. And then you can, then you can talk about how bad a hunter I am, but that's, that's the thing. If you, you got to walk a mile in that person's shoes to understand their journey, to understand their, their, cause I mean, you, like if guy like Stan Potts, you mentioned a while ago, Stan's killed a bunch of 200 inch deer. You know why most people aren't going to kill a 200 inch deer because they don't have one to kill. Yeah. 
So we can't divide each other because these guys' opportunity is different than that. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about the like fanning in turkeys. They're like, "Well, all I gotta do is show them the fan, and then you just kill them. They come running right in, you kill them every time." And then the guy said, "Well, how many times have you seen that work?" Well, once. <laughs> that that ain't quite true. enough. And sure enough, on that hunt, he was telling me they popped that fan up, and the gobbler flew off the other way. So he said, "I told you so." That doesn't work all the time. Not every time. That that's just how it is, man. And the more we divide each other, whether it's through social media, whatever the case is, in butt heads. We're just digging a freaking hole. We're digging our own grave as hunters. I agree wholeheartedly. We need to be careful. We got to stop it. And we have to, we got to, I mean, you got to check the ego at the door because I don't care. I honestly, I promise you, I don't care how good you are. I want to have, I want to know how fun you are. And I want to know who's going to be in camp. And I want to know what we're cooking. And I want to know if there's going to be some Cajuns there with a gumbo pot. I want to know how the coffee is. I want to know that my wet dog's going to be secure at night and he's welcome to lay around the fire with us. I'm hoping that somebody, please, can pick that guitar. I assume you can with it behind you there. I want a guitar picker there and somebody that has an okay voice. Other than that, I want an outdoor speaker system with Blackhawk's greatest hits playing on it. And I want to wait. I want to see the stars and know that tomorrow I'm going to see mallards under the sunshine in the trees in Arkansas and my life's complete with my friends and family being there and my good old dog. Okay, that's all it is. I don't care who's the best in the woods because when I go down there, and I and I can I can work some ducks with a duck call. I've done it. I've proven it to myself. When I go down there, I don't even touch my duck call. I just let Joel do it, and I let this guy do it. I'm like, this is their home. This is what they were put on this earth to do, and I'm just happy to be along for the boat ride and to get to see Mother Nature work her majesty for the next couple hours. I, I suck compared to them guys. That's how I think about it. I just want to learn, and I want to see magic happen. And if we don't kill a duck, the boat ride was good enough. And we're going to go back and have this, the breakfast is going to taste the exact same. And the stories might be a little bit more elaborated because we're going to have to throw some stuff in now that we didn't kill any ducks. But that's okay, too. And being a hunter is that's what it's about. I'm not going to get caught up in how many likes because, truthfully, I don't get a lot of likes because I put, I put too much hunting stuff on my stuff over the years to where now I'm watched too much. And I got too many guns in there now. And now I'm like figuring out how to, tra- you know, to, ev- to evolve out of this and to get better on social media. I'm not a social media master. I don't know if any of us are, but I'm telling you that if I can portray the memories through TV and through our content and through our podcast and the stories that are getting written right in front of my face, then I feel like we're doing our job. We got to quit the fighting and the infighting and understand that we can do this our own ways. That's amazing when you drive through this world. And I'm up in Montana and I'm like, man, this world's pretty big. There's a lot of antelope up here, man. I don't need to be worried that you killed an 84. I'll go find my own 78. Stop freaking competing all the time. You hit the nail on the head, man. Everybody's got to start checking those egos, helping each other, and then we all have fun together. And stay lethal. I want to stay lethal, man. <laughs> That's right. I'm telling you, when I go in the woods, I want to stay lethal. I love that. I wish I would have trademarked that name. That's a badass <laughs> name. You got to stay lethal. I say it all the time. You have to be on your A game. You have to capitalize when it happens. Enjoy the journey and capitalize and be lethal when it's time to go. Because I like to eat deer. I like to eat turkey. I've had some of the best gator that I've – I cooked gator in Tennessee that was killed in South Carolina two weeks ago. And I was like – this is good. And then I looked at the people with me and they're like, is this really gator? And I'm like, yeah, it was the best gator I've ever had. And I think it was just, we thought outside the box 
And I love it. I want to go kill a gator again. When I killed him in Florida, I'm like, I'll never have to do that again. It was like cougar hunting. I've killed one. Now I just want to go all on the race. I want to be behind the hounds. You can kill it. I'm going to film it. But now I'm like, man, I want some more turkeys. I want some more gators because this is good meat. And that's how I'm living my life now, Michael Lee. Yep. I'm living out of my freezer, man. That's where I'm living the backwoods life, even <laughs> though I'm not from the backwoods, dude. I'm not even from the backwoods. I'm from the city in Lake Tahoe, Nevada, and I'm living the backwoods life. How cool is that? That's what it's all about, bro. Welcome to the, welcome to the, uh, I guess the dark side now. <laughs> I'm the adopt. Like I tell Leith Lofton, lethal had himself. I'm the adopted son of the South. There's no place in the world I'd rather be than the South in the United States. There's no place like it. I've been all over Europe and Italy, and I've been all over South America. I've been all over Canada. I've been all over this country. There's no place in the world like the South in a duck camp in the South part of this. The people are different. The culture's different. The aura is different. The energy's different. And for sure, the food is different. I even talk like y'all. I think that the South, the Southern dialect is the best jargon there is. I really truly feel that. Joker, yonder, kinfolk. I mean, the way y'all talk is the way it's awesome. I'm jealous. I ain't got that kind of culture out here. Michael Lee, I appreciate you being on the show, man. Any closing words? Chad, I appreciate you, man. I, I, I love what you guys are doing, man. Um, keep up the good work on your end. We're proud to be working with you with Lethal. Thank you for the kind words on Backwards Life. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing camp one day. Yes, please. Let's do it this fall for ducks, and then let's commit to a, I want to kill a turkey with you next spring. Let's do it. That's Michael Lee, the Foul Eye Podcast, brought to you again today by Lethal. Stay Lethal. Check out their products. I absolutely love them. Just, get, just order a bottle of Cooler Reviver. It's going to change your life. And then I'm telling you, man, this, the, the, what Michael touched on today with the spray nozzle on the gun cleaning, we just did a bunch of over-unders and some Benelli Super Black Eagle 3s. We have a truckload coming back from this trip. I left my truck in Georgia. I had to go to D.C. to shoot in the congressional shoot with Safari Club International. Drove back to Georgia for a graduation at ADAC down in South Georgia. My friend, uh, daughter graduated from ADAC. She's now going to move to Athens to be at Georgia. She's doing an internship in Washington, D.C. this summer. So now there, I had to fly to Montana tana for some meetings they're driving my truck back michael lee when that truck gets back here i got all my turkey guns and my over unders from the shoot i'm gonna be cleaning some more so we've got it set up a lethal cleaning party we literally have lethal gun cleaning parties we get our music going we might even have a cold beverage there's no ammo around and we have fun cleaning our guns stay lethal everybody out there and speaking of lethal this is lethal often what you're going to do when the money's all gone thank you Life on earth won't last too long So what you gonna do when the money's all gone? Tell me now We're all equal, that's what I think I don't believe heaven has a bank. Make good use of your time on earth and don't make a dollar bill.